BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, folks, to the Betting Above the Rim podcast. This is Coach Young. Today's date is November the 29th. In today's podcast, we're going to focus on two things. Number one, we're going to look at the end-season tournament, and we'll get into the reasons why I have felt like this has been a tremendous success. And second, I'm going to do something that's fun that everybody likes to do. How about Coach Young gives you his top 10 players in the NBA? Be some movement and some guys at, at spots that you may not agree with, but that's the great thing about this is we all have an opinion. Once again, welcome to the Betting Above the Rim podcast. And, and let's get started here with this. The NBA in-season tournament was something that when it first came up, people didn't know what to expect. But I'm here to tell you that it's been an unbelievable success. Why? And I'll get into the reasons really quick. Number one, the buy-in from players and coaches. Two, strategies that you saw by coaches, particularly last night, and we'll get into some specific examples. Three, kind of being like European soccer, starting the games at the same time, which then made it a little interesting. I'll get into what I heard last night. And also, young teams being able to get themselves some experience going into knockaround. Last thing, Adam Silver, we'll get into it. Don't change anything. This was fantastic. So as we talk about the in-season tournament, first thing, like I said, was the buy-in. And I think that is important because when you bring something new to a league that's never been done before, you have to get people that are excited about it. And if you really look at at the players and the coaches. You saw coaches and players that came into last night really knowing what they were going to need. So when you step onto that floor last night and you see the different decaler logo with the NBA in-season tournament trophy in the middle and you see the line down the center, you knew you were in for something special. And we got it, and we got something that we don't see in November. We got to see competitive, high-quality basketball, and that is because you had coaches who really wanted to win this or trying to win this in the first year, but also you have players. There was talk about 
Josh Hart of the New York Knicks last night saying he makes a ton of money. He said 500000 that, that That's a watch. You had LeBron saying you put any kind of title on anything and I'm going to compete. And I think that's the number one thing we saw. We saw more intensity out of the players and more strategy by the coaches in these games. And typically, if you think about it, folks, why did the NBA pick that this part of the year? Because everybody knows that the unofficial start of the NBA season isn't until Christmas, which is towards the end of the NFL season. It's towards the end of the bowl season of college football. So the NBA takes more center stage at Christmas. Well, now, at least for two nights a week, on Tuesdays and Fridays, the NBA took focus on days when the NFL did not play. And it was extremely smart. And I think there's a lot of momentum going into the quarterfinals next week. Now, when you speak speak of coaches, you got to talk about some of the things that occurred last night. Number one, bravo to Joe Mazzulla. You know who Joe Mazzulla is? I don't know if you know who Joe Mazzulla is. Head coach of the Celtics. Did you see what Joe Mazzulla did last night? I'll tell you what he did if you didn't know. They were up by 30 points in the fourth quarter. Why did they need to be up by 30? It's simple. They lost to Orlando on Friday night, and they needed Brooklyn to beat Toronto, and then they had to win by a huge amount of points to bypass Orlando and win the group. So they're up big. They're up 30 in the fourth quarter, which their starters played at least five or six minutes. Do you know what he did? He intentionally fouled Andre Drummond two times in the fourth quarter to send the big man to the foul line. And while this was taking place, Billy Donovan had no idea. And basically, Joe Mazzulla looked down at the other end and said, I need the points. Recognizing that stop clock, foul shots, poor free throw shooter. I think he went 0 for 4 in the free throws. And then you go down and score and you expand the lead. So I thought that was amazing by Joe Mazzulla without Kristaps Przingis last night and just getting Drew Holiday to come out with a vengeance. Think about this, folks. They could have lied down and not played for it. You saw early on in that game that they were going for it. The starters played big minutes in the first half. They continued to play big minutes in the third and into the fourth quarter to secure their win and their place in the knockout round. So let's go to another situation of a coach that did something. I'm going to go to my hometown and the New York Knicks. And I knew going into this in-season tournament that although the Knicks were in a very tough group, every guard top heavy with them, Milwaukee and Miami, that Tibbs was going to take this seriously. Did you know that Tibbs kept his starters in the game until about a minute and a half left to go? The Knicks folks at one point were only up by one point in the third quarter. They could have just let it just say, all right, we're done. But they pushed on. Tibbs had let his players know early on in the day they had to win and they had to play well and they had to win big. Now, Here's what's interesting. He played his stories, like I said, a bunch of minutes. Why did he play him a bunch of minutes in the fourth quarter in a game in which they were up, I believe, by 14 at the end of three? Here's why, folks. Because Cleveland 
was playing Atlanta at the same time, and Cleveland could have passed the Knicks in point differential. So what did Tibbs do? He kept the starters in as long as possible until he felt it was safe to pull it. Now, here's what's interesting on the flip side. Cleveland, obviously in this predicament, trying to get as many points or run up the score, if you would say. Quinn Snyder from Atlanta pulled the starters with about four, I think four, four and a half minutes left to go in the game. Do you know J.B. Bickerstaff kept his players in the game, his starters, all the way through? They, once the Knicks game went final, they had to win by 36 points. Now, what happened? They kept it on, and they kept their starters in as long as possible. But once they realized they couldn't pass New York, and shout out to Julius Randle, who was absolutely fantastic. Folks, remember, one of the first podcasts, I went after Julius Randle. And he was absolutely fantastic with, I think, a 29-20, two threes, and I don't know how many assists. It's a, it's a rare combination that he had. But New York found their way into the quarterfinals because Tibbs kept playing to the horn and he kept keeping up the score. And they even during the Nick game, interesting enough, because remember, folks, if New York would have won by a certain amount of points, they could have leaped and won the group based on their win if Milwaukee would have lost. So if you actually watched the Nick game, they were showing not so much the Nick score, they were also showing the Miami. Milwaukee scored, so people were kind of keeping track of what needed to be done. So what may also made this great in the season tournament was this. Kind of what they do in the European Soccer League's the last game of the, day of the season, they tipped off most of the games at the same time. So the two games in Group B, right, the Knicks versus the Hornets and the Bucks. Uh, versus the Heat, both tipped off at the same time, right? Same thing in group number C uh, in regards to the matchup uh, between Brooklyn and Toronto, and then obviously Chicago and Boston. Smartly done by the NBA because it kept the integrity of the teams to play. Folks, do you know that just about every team on the bench had one person who knew the scores of not just the other games in their group, the other game in their group, but any other game that can affect the wild card standings. Think about that for a second. Cleveland was in group A. New York was in group B. New York was keeping track of Miami and Milwaukee, but also keeping track of Cleveland because of the wild card. So that was a smart Smart thing done by Adam Silver by playing all the games at the same time. The only game that was not played at the same time with the other parts of the group was the game between Sacramento and Golden State, which was an absolute barn burner, a 124-123 win by the Kings with a uh, a big uh, score by Malik Monk uh, late in the game. So what is the last reason why we... I've seen the success of this tournament. If you look at the teams that have made what we, I guess you would call it the knockout stage, uh, you have obviously the Lakers playing the Suns, uh, two teams that have been there. You have uh, a team like Milwaukee who's won a championship, New York that's got experience, and Boston. But I want to focus on the three teams that don't 
have a lot of playoff success or history behind them. And that is the Indiana Pacers and the play of Tyrese Halliburton, who won their group and is going to have a really interesting matchup next week on Monday, Monday or Tuesday, I'm not sure, at home versus the Boston Celtics. Early lines have Boston uh, as the favorite. You got to look to a team like the Pelicans, who two years ago, a couple of years ago, as an eight seed, took Phoenix to six games uh, in, in the Western Conference quarterfinals, has dealt with injuries with Zion, and now they get the play all three together because it looks like C.J. McCollum is coming back. And then lastly, the play of the Sacramento Kings, who had a great year last year. People thought they were a fluke, and then here they come with De'Aaron Fox, who will get into the top ten. De'Aaron Fox isn't in the top ten, and neither is Demonis Sabonis, but they're definitely top 25 players in the league. And a team in Sacramento who lost game seven, ready, folks, at home versus Golden State, got to exact some revenge by winning last night by one, and now they get game seven situations over and over again as far as they can go. Lastly, shout out to Adam Silver and the NBA for doing this in-season tournament. It's been a really great idea, and he deserves a lot of credit. People weren't really thinking about this, but Adam was kind of ahead of the curve, looked at European leagues and saw it there and saw the success it could be. But not only that, you have to give a shout out to their partner for the group stage, and that's ESPN. They did a great job of promoting the event and they got themselves really good matchups. If you think about last night, the doubleheader that they had, if you look at the first uh, game uh, that they televised was New York versus Milwaukee. They had great games, and they did a good job of really building this up. So Adam Silver, here's my message to you. After implementing this event, there are people that are complaining. It felt weird. It felt a little strange. The running up of the score. Adam Silver, do you know what you have to change for next year? Absolutely nothing. Keep this the way it is, and you have basketball fans clamoring for this competitive basketball early in the year. Please, Adam Silver, bring the in-season tournament back next year. Don't change a thing, and it was absolutely fantastic. Speaking of fantastic, it's time for my top 10. And before I go into detail of my 10 best players in the NBA, let me rattle you off my top 10. Number 10, Jason Tatum. Number 9, Anthony Edwards. Number 8, Kevin Durant. Number 7, Stephen Curry. Number 6, SGA. Number 5, LeBron James, number four, Luka Doncic, number three, Nikola Jokic, number two, Joel Embiid, and my number one player in the NBA, Giannis Antetokounmpo. So let's go through 10 to 1. Why? Jason Tatum is, is here at number 10. Could he be higher? Absolutely. And his stats have been absolutely fantastic this year, scoring 27.7 points per game. 8.8 rebounds, shooting at a 50% clip, and about 36% from three. 
The reason why Jason Tatum is where he is has nothing to do with his regular season performances. It's his performance in the postseason. What you're going to say, what, why is he tightening the next guy nine? That's uh, my argument. I, I think that Jason Tatum has been fantastic. And I think Jason Tatum is going to should get over to him. And I would expect as maybe next year, he could definitely be a player that can move himself up the boards. Number nine, I'm going to go with Ant-Man, Anthony Edwards, who I saw a change in Ant's game during the playoffs last year. This year scoring at 26.2 points per game, 5.9 rebounds, 5 assists, shooting at about a 46.6% clip from the floor. And Ant has been absolutely sensational and leading. And the reason why I have him up there is because he's got Minnesota right now as the best team in the Western Conference. And he's got to be commended on his play, not just offensively and sharing the ball, but defensively. Number eight, Kevin Durant. Now, people are going to say, Coach, this guy's a top five player. Absolutely. He's a top top five talent. I I get it. 31.4 points per game. 7.1 rebounds per game. Shooting over 50% from two and overall. He's been fantastic. And he's done it, folks, without his other two parts of the big three and parts of the season. And Bradley Beal and Devin Booker. Devin Booker is someone else that you could argue could be in the top 10 because of the fact he gets hurt so much. That's why he's kind of out of my top 10 right now. But KD's been fantastic, been fantastic for a long time. The knock on KD, the reason why KD's eight and the other guy is seven is one of them has won a championship without the other one. So if KD is eight, who's seven? That's Stephen Curry. Uh, Stephen Curry, is, you can say so much about his career, 29.7 points per game this year, 48% from the floor, 44% from three, 94% from the free throw line. He's He has made being small cool in the NBA, that you don't have to play above the rim. He made shooting a thing, a thing that you need to work on. And Steph has been fantastic, and he is the reason why Golden State is even sniffing 500. Because we talked about it in the last podcast, Clay's had his worst stats of his career. I know Wiggins played well last night against Sacramento, but he's been terrible. Draymond's getting suspended. People are saying that Steve Kerr is washed. And the only reason why the Golden State Warriors are where they are right now is because of Stephen Curry. Stephen Curry, number seven on my list. Let's go to number six. God, I love SGA. Y'all know this. And I talked about this last podcast that he was top ten. And pushing the top five. And it was really close. I almost put SGA in the top five. But you've seen SGA Shatters getting 30.5 points per game, six rebounds, six assists, shooting 54% from the floor for a team in Oklahoma City that has been absolutely fantastic. It was nothing to play for last night. And in season tournament, almost pulled off another road win. Yes, Chet has come on as a rookie after missing last year. Yes, Jalen Williams has improved. Yes, Josh Giddey is Josh Giddey. Yes, you're getting play, good play out of Isaiah Joe and obviously Lou Dort. But SGA is the reason why that team is where he is, and he is a flat-out superstar, and next year I'm going to say it, he will be in Coach Young's top five. But at number five, <laughs> I ain't, he ain't coming out of my top five. All hail to the king! 
LeBron James is number five on my list. Why? At 38 years old, this guy's giving you 25.1, 7.5, 6.5, shooting 56% from the floor, and doing this for a Laker team that has been wildly inconsistent, and a guy in Anthony Davis who should be a top 10 player on this list and doesn't play like it. But LeBron has played like a top five player. You know, when he got into the season, he said, oh, LeBron's on a minutes restriction. They don't want to play too much. First night, 29 minutes. LeBron said, ah, no, 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 no. I want to win. And I want to win another championship. And he's got his team. He is carrying the Lakers right now. And if Anthony Davis, like I said, who was a top 10 talent and should be on his top 10 list if he played like it night in and night out, if Anthony Davis plays the way they're capable of with the way LeBron's playing this year, if they stay healthy, I think the Lakers can actually go to the finals and win the championship. Number four. Luka Doncic. I don't know what else you can say about Luka besides he's absolutely fantastic. 31.1 points per game, 8 rebounds, 7.9 assists, 48.9%. There was a knock on Luka, folks, a couple of years ago when Jason Kidd first got to Dallas, how he he fought with referees too much. He wasn't in shape. Ever since about the midpoint of when the first season Jason Kidd started, Luka Doncic has been absolutely sensational. And he's the best guard in the NBA. He could do so many different things between his scoring, his passing, his rebounding, his dictating, his moving you with his eyes. He's such a cerebral, fantastic player. He isn't fast, right? He, he's not overly athletic. He doesn't have that quick twitch muscle. He's not overly great defensively. He just whips your ass pillar to post, and he wants it more than anyone else. And give me a guy with a goddamn lo- slower Euro step than Luca, and still can get it to the basket at every time. Now we get to our top three. And this is where everybody could start, you know, also start disagreeing. Number three, I'm going to go with Nikola Jokic. You say, what? Like Nikola Jokic, who won two out of three MVPs, and could have won a three-peat last year, as your third best player in the NBA, when he's getting you 28.8, 13.4, 8.9, and shooting 56.8% from the floor? There is, he means so much to his team because of the fact that he could score in all three levels and he is the best passing big in the NBA. They could put him at the top of the key with the sightline, see all everybody in play, or they like to put him in the pinch, or if you don't know what the pinch is, that's the elbow, and let run, run action and cutters off of him, let him dime people up and not turn around, shoot the J over someone with that high release that he has. And he's been absolutely fantastic. And it was hard to put me this him there because these three guys really you can juggle them in any which order you want. But at number two, I'm putting Joel Embiid. Thirty-two points per game, eleven point three rebounds per game, a career high six point six assists, shooting fifty percent from the floor. And remember, folks, he lost James Harden, who did not play at all this year. And Joel Embiid has been better this year than he has been last year. because And with a new coach. Understand that, folks. He's playing better this year than last year, and he's got a new coach in Nick Nurse. So Joel Embiid has been absolutely fantastic on both sides of the ball. And Joel Embiid has shown to himself why he won the MVP last year 
and he will definitely be in the MVP race this year. But my number one, it's got to be the Greek freak. You know, when Giannis got to the league and he was a skinny, frail kid, no one saw this coming. Okay? But this guy's getting you 30.1, 10.6, 4.6 cis per game, shooting nearly 60% from the floor. I'm going to say something to you folks. If Giannis had a three-point shot, and I'm not talking about like a Steph Curry three. If he had a legitimate three-point shot, Giannis Antetokounmpo would go down to one of the three or four greatest players in the history of the NBA. Think about that. If Giannis had a legitimate jump shot from three, he would be top three, top four all-time in the NBA because of his ability to score, rebound, assist, play defense, control the pace. The only thing he's missing is a, a jump shot, and he's one of the best defenders in the league. Now, I got a challenge to you, Giannis, that when the big spots come, you got to go guard the other team's best guy. So like last year when you guys lost to Miami, you should have been guarding Jimmy Butler from game one. So that's my challenge to you, Giannis. In a big spot, whether it's one through five, will you go to Adrian Griffin and say, no, 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 I don't care what our philosophy is. I am the best defender. I guard them. And it'll be interesting because obviously without Drew Holiday, he is by far the best defender as a guard or a forward. So he's got to go ahead and do that. That was my top 10. Uh, folks, this has been your podcast for November the 29th. Once again, hey, there's always the easiest way to get all of your content from our great company at SportsGrid, and that's the SportsGrid app. Download that app on iOS or Android today to get all of your information pregame, in-game, post-game. From like I've always said, the great hosts and my colleagues and friends like Scotty Farrell, Mike Carver, Joe Lisi, Joe Madden, Ben Stevens, Kevin Walsh, Donnie Wrightside, Dave Sherapan, Matt Peerwald. I can go on and on and on, but I got to go. The next podcast will come on Monday. We'll start and preview those games in the in-season tournament. We'll take another look at the college basketball landscape. And I'm working on a guest that I'm trying to get on in a couple of weeks. If you thought John Fanta was big, this guy is bigger than John Fanta. No offense, John. You're still my guy. Once again, this is Coach Young. This has been the Betting Above the Rim podcast. For all your information, check out the app. And remember, folks, it's smarter to be on Sports Grid. Take care. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.